everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant, attorney, and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. My passion for football, high achievement, and pushing boundaries has helped me to get into rooms with pro athletes and power players and to move the ball in multiple male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using the same Move the Ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands, their careers, and creating opportunities. Join me in conversations that will elevate your career, differentiate your hustle, and accelerate you crossing the goal line. Get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you've been listening for quite some time, welcome back. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, and anyone else who you think is ready to move the ball and make things happen. On today's episode, joining me is Tyrone Poole, who is a retired NFL defensive back, two-time Super Bowl champion, former American Ninja Warrior competitor, author, entrepreneur, and more. Tyrone was drafted in the first round of the 1995 NFL Draft as the 22nd overall pick by the Carolina Panthers, and he played in the NFL for 13 years. On today's show, Tyrone and I discuss multiple strategies for high performance and accomplishing your goals, including one that many people don't think about much, which is the concept of visualization. Manifesting and writing your goals down are helpful to moving the ball. But visualization is also another key strategy to getting you across the goal line. You'll see that Tyrone shares such great insights today, and you're going to take away a lot from what he has to say. Have a listen. Tyrone, it is great to have you on the show today and inside the huddle with us. How are you? Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I am doing well. How are you doing? How's the family? How's the New Year's going for you? Everything's going great so far and just trying to keep that ball moving. So I'm excited to have you here on the show. You know, it's been a little while since I last saw you. I mean, back in 2020, we were in Indy sitting at the NFL Combine in the NFL Legends suite, watching the guys do their thing. And I was just thinking about, man, it's been almost four years since I've seen you. So it's been a long time. Yeah, almost four years since we've seen each other and probably about what? 27 years, maybe, from the last time I was doing the same things, those young college guys running the 40 and doing all those defensive back drills back in 1995. Well, I know we're going to have a great chat today. And the first question I got to ask you, Tyrone, is are you ready to move the ball? I am ready to move the ball just like Hank Stram, the old Kansas City Chiefs coach, Keep trickling the ball down the field. So let's keep moving the ball down the field, Jennifer. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. So it's been, like we said, almost four years since I've seen you. The world has gone through a lot since that time. And when we were there in 2020, I mean, that was the beginning of what was going to be just a crazy time, right? Shortly after the combine, it was declared that we were in a pandemic, the world shut down, and everyone had to adjust and adapt to a very, very different kind of environment. And so how was that like for you? Walk us through, like, after the combine, how did your world change? The thing about me and during that pandemic time, I loved exercise, of course. So exercising, really, that didn't shut me down. 
I think a lot of people had problems because they were confined indoors. And because I had my own home gym, then I was still able to go about my regular exercising. I think one of the other things that probably did change since everybody was confined to being indoors, video conferencing became a real big part of people's lives. And it allowed companies and families to still stay in touch. So I think that was the biggest change was finding the right video opportunity to talk and view and hear family members or do business-oriented deals. So other than video, my life pretty much just stayed on a steady course. Technology is great in that it allowed us to continue to stay connected and allowed us to figure out how do we adjust and adapt to continue to do business through this virtual environment. And so that was one thing that is a positive that came out of COVID is that we continue to use technology today to do podcasts, to do other meetings, to transact deals. So it's a fantastic thing that came out of a crazy situation. Yes, yes, it was. And like you said, technology, we're still using those technologies from that pandemic now. Technology is always going to advance. And every time there's adversity, there's an opportunity. Absolutely. Now, Tyrone, you're a high performer. You're someone who played at the highest level of football in the NFL for 13 years. You were drafted first round in the 1995 NFL draft as the 22nd overall pick. You're someone who definitely not only knows how to move the ball, but also, as I like to say, to dominate the game. And so when you think of high performance and things that you've done to set yourself apart compared to your peers and everyone else out there, what are some of the things that you've done over the years to really continue to to stay at a level of high performance? The biggest word would be consistency in being who I was as a youth. And what I mean by that is, well, growing up, I just loved working out. I just loved being outside. It's like you come home from school and back when I was in school, elementary school, middle school, high school, you had your play clothing and then you had your school clothing. When I would come home, I jumped right into my play clothing and went outside and played. So that was the seed planting of what would propel me to be consistent with life after sports. Whereas a lot of guys, believe it or not, professional athletes, teams have to pay them to actually work out. They call it a workout bonus. But for me, Never in my contracts during my NFL career, and this is something that people probably don't know, but I never really had a performance or workout bonus because they just knew I was going to be that guy that showed up and worked out hard. So growing up, that's where it started. And then life after sports, that consistency of that mindset, putting my body first and keeping the body in shape as I like to talk about it now, I say that my body is my business. So whether I'm playing sports or, or not playing sports, I think it's imperative that I keep my body in shape. And over the years, I learned a lot of things, Jennifer, that being around a lot of wise trainers and a lot of wise teams, I learned a lot of things that I added to my conditioning and 
taking care of my body. So the consistency of just staying in shape, that never left me. And it'll be with me until the day I take my last breath. You've been a competitive athlete pretty much your entire life, not only playing football, but you also ran track. And so when you look at that competitive athlete mentality, I mean, consistency is a huge part of that. What are some of the other things that you have taken away from that mindset that have helped you to be successful, not only on the field, but also beyond the game too? Track and field is my favorite sport. I like track and field over football. And the reason why I say that is just based off of the question that you asked. It's about what I put in. I get out what I put in. Football is kind of a team game and, you know, one person, two people can help a team win. But in track and field, even if you are on a relay team, it's broken down to each individual. So if you don't work, then you're not going to perform at the level you want. So just believing in myself and knowing that at the end of the day, that person that I look at every day in the mirror is the guy that will determine whether I win or I lose. So that competitive edge starts with me. If it's to be, it's up to me. I like that. And it is about what you put in is going to determine what you get out of. If you don't show up and put in the right work, then you're not going to get the outcomes that you're looking for. So on the show, I like to talk with people about their stories and their experiences to pass on things that they have learned along their journey that can help people who are looking to excel and reach that next level. And some of the things that I like to include in our conversation are things that help you to be productive. Because as you know, and it's something that I mentioned in my later book called Dominate the Game, how you show up matters, but also what you spend your time and energy on is very important. And so I have this concept in the book. It's called managing the game clock. We all have 24 hours in a day, and it's up to us to really manage that time effectively. Can you share with us what are some of the things that you do, some productivity hacks or things that you do to stay productive each and every day? I have a daughter who's 23 years old. And she's in college and she runs the 400 meter, which is arguably one of the toughest races on the track. Just like football, it could be argumentative, but playing corner is the toughest position other than quarterback on a professional team. But what I tell my daughter is that you got to have vision. You got to have vision. You have to see yourself doing something before you do it. That's what I've learned. And that's what I would do with her. And I also have my son. He is 17, about to be 18. And he plays football and runs track. And when I was training them from their third grade up until middle school, high school, and then finally I had to turn them over to the high school coaches, but I still stayed close. But when I was working with them, Jennifer, I would have them after track practice. We would lay on the grass. And I would have them to close their eyes and I would tell them to envision the track meet the next day. This would be like on a Friday or Thursday, whenever the track, you know, the day before the track meet. And I would have them to lay on the grass and visually listen to me, call the cadence, runners on your mark, set. And I would tell them to picture themselves in their perspective races whether it was the 100, 200 for my son or the 200 and 400 for my daughter, I would tell them, visualize. Now, when I say go, 
I pop my hands together or whatever the case would be to get them started. I want them to run the race in their head. And I tell them, when you feel like you have run the 100, raise your hand. When you feel like you have run the 400, raise your hand. So what I was doing, Jennifer, was marrying the internal with the external. So if I can internally gauge success, then I could match it with the external once I got there. And that's why when you see some of these guys perform at a high level, they have envisioned themselves doing that. So that is one thing that I learned that you got to see yourself performing before you perform. And then if you can do that, then once you get to your activity or event or game or whatever the case may be, it's almost like deja vu. You're almost like, you know what? I've been here before. I've been here before. So that's why when you get in big pressure games, big time players play in pressure games. They don't bother them because they have practiced for that moment. Not only physically by taking those extra reps, but mentally by preparing themselves for that situation. And you bring up a great point. I mean, visualization is a powerful technique. We hear a lot of people talking about manifesting their goals and talking to themselves about what it is they want to achieve, writing it down on a vision board, on the board, what a piece of paper, whatever. Well, that's also an important technique, but visualizing yourself through the process of achieving that and feeling what it feels like to accomplish it in your head is also a very powerful technique to being able to achieve those things that you're looking to do. So I think that's a great. And I'm glad that you do that. And you have your kids do that. Very powerful. Yeah. You know, as they say, that's how you pass things down. Like how grandma's cooking, the recipe gets passed down, right? So passing down the things that help me, not only visualization, but just hard work and not just working hard, Jennifer, because you can work hard and do the wrong things. A lot of people have heard the old saying, practice makes perfect. No. That's, that's not true. It's perfect practice makes perfect. And I've also learned that knowledge, knowledge and its proper use wins battles. So you can practice the right way, but you also got to practice using the knowledge in the right way. So that's something else that I passed down, the hard work, but doing the right things, right? Because you don't want to just work hard and do the wrong things. You want to work hard and do the right things the right way. And then when it comes time to apply it, you apply it properly and you can't help but to win. How does the song go? All we do is win, win, win. So when you can practice the right way and utilize it the right way, all you can do is win. Yes, absolutely. It's not just about working hard for working hard's sake. It's working on the right things that are in alignment with what you want to do, whether you're an athlete or you're someone in the business world that's working on the right things and being effective at it. So Tyrone, let's talk a little bit more about your football journey. So you played college ball at Fort Valley State University. I mentioned earlier you were drafted in the first round. Walk us through what was your favorite experience at Fort Valley State and how do you think they prepared you for the NFL or they didn't prepare you? Actually, let's back up and rewind even farther. How did I get to Fort Valley? If you put a multiple choice before people and you say, what school did Tyrone come from? University of Georgia, Florida State, Fort Valley State, Penn State. 
they probably wouldn't even choose Fort Valley State. I got to Fort Valley State. I quit football in high school. Can you believe that? I quit football in high school my senior year. So I love telling this story because it lets people know that you can mess up along your journey to your destiny. But if you know who you are, what you have, and what you can do, you can always get back on track. Yes, you may have to take the path not traveled by most, but if you know who you are, just like your GPS, with your internal belief, your vision, that is your GPS. And if you can see it, then you can get yourself back on track if you know where you're going. So I ended up quitting football in high school, and there was an alumnus who was a teacher at my high school who graduated from Fort Valley State, and she knew talent, and she recruited for her school. I tell everybody, I, it, it could have been very well, Jennifer, somebody who was a alumnus from Alabama, but she happened to be from Fort Valley State. And she came over to me and she said, Tyrone, where are you going to school? And I put her in my book. Uh, her name was Miss Hurd. I said, Miss Hurd, I don't, I don't know. And she said, you want to go to Fort Valley State? So I ended up going to Fort Valley State. Did not know it was a Division II school. All I saw and heard was an opportunity to play football again and to run track again, to put myself back in uh, the opportunity to chase my destiny. So when I got to Fort Valley, of course, they didn't have a lot because it's a Division II HBCU school. So I had to learn how to be creative, which that helped me to be able to withstand a lot of adversity because I feel like it's the lows of life that prepares you for the highs of life. So in that time where we were financially struggling at, at Fort Valley State, I had to be creative, creative in how I worked out. And then also going to Fort Valley State allowed me to play two sports. I was able to play football and run track. Uh, if I had gone to maybe a division one school, they probably would have told me, hey, your scholarship it's the football. You're not running no track. But Fort Valley is all about family. HBCUs, it's all about family. How can we help each other? So we got an athlete in football that can help track and field, go run track. So that helped me to continue, like I said, my working out habits in my DNA. So that just continued. And when I got into the NFL, my work habits were so phenomenal that even when I became a free agent, and I visited the New England Patriots where I won my two Super Bowls. My last meeting was with Bill Belichick. And that's usually how it goes. You meet with the head coach and that's when the final decision, so to speak, happens, whether you're going to sign or not sign. So I sit down with Bill Belichick. And again, all this from Fort Valley State, the work ethics, boom, took me all the way up until maybe my 10th year when I signed with the Patriots. I sit down with Bill Belichick and... He says, hey, we want you here. We believe you can help us win, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, well, Coach Belichick, I work out in Atlanta. We got a group of guys. You know, I work out in Atlanta. And Bill looked at me. And I'm thinking Bill going to say, well, get up out of here then. We don't need you. No, he didn't say that. He said, you know what? I'm okay with that. He says, as long as you show up at the facility when you can, be around the team, I'm okay with that. So." Basically, Jennifer, he had already done his homework on me. And throughout my years, there was no complaints from coaches that he probably talked to about Tyrone's work ethics. So all that came from, number one, quitting football in high school. I said I did not ever want to let that happen again. 
So it urged me to establish a drive that wouldn't quit. And then when I got to Fort Valley State, it allowed me to be more creative with my drive and my passion. And then it carried on into the NFL. And how was the transition from Fort Valley State to the NFL and the expectations that were placed on you? Oh, man, Jennifer, how long, how how much longer do we have? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, man, it was a big jump. I'm talking about it's almost like going from making minimum wage on a job to winning the lottery at a billion dollars. I'm like, it was just that transformative that going from a playbook where really it was just one sheet of paper. We played man to man. That's it. You got this guy. You got that guy. Wherever he goes, boom. We only play zone when we had the game one. And that zone was cover three. Right. But I get into the NFL. I'm a first round draft pick. Go to the Carolina Panthers and they play the same defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers from the 80s and 90s played where they had Rod Woodson playing the nickel. And then Rod Woodson would go back and play corner and then he'll punt return every once in a while. So. Dom Capers coming from Pittsburgh. He was the defensive coordinator before he became the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Well, they put me in that same position. Again, mind you, I never played slot, never played nickel. I was always an outside corner, and we only played man-to-man. So now I go to the NFL, and the playbook is thicker than a phone book. I'm like, hold on, are these the plays? No, those are just some of the plays for a training camp. Every play was something different. So I had so much pressure on me, Jennifer. A lot of people don't know this. I had so much pressure on me my rookie year, trying to learn a playbook. And I played my rookie year based off of just my talent, just pure talent, speed and quickness. That's how I played the game. My second year, because I had a pretty good rookie year, more pressure was put on me. I went from just being a nickel to starting at corner and playing nickel. So anybody that knows football knows that those are two different positions that have two different verbiage and understanding. I'm now in the run fit of the offense. I got to, they're taking out a linebacker to put me in there. So I got to be able to communicate. And I just remember sometimes Sam Mills, God rest his spirit. I would be in the wrong position. And Sam would say, Tyrone, Tyrone, where are you? Where are you? And I'm supposed to say, nickel left, nickel right. And that sets the defense. But I was thinking so much because I had so much pressure on me that I forgot to let the defense know where I was so they could balance up off of me which I was the strength of the defense. And it was tough. In my second year, it got so tough that I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit professional football. Can you believe that? And I think Jerry Rice had the same ordeal. He came from Mississippi Valley State, which is a HBCU. So it was just the terminology and just so much pressure of being a first-round draft pick, which Jerry Rice was a first-round draft pick. And the expectation is you got to come in here and play now. There was nobody that I could learn from because everybody was afraid of me. I'm a first-round draft pick. He's coming in here to take our position. So we're not going to teach him nothing. And if we do teach him something, we're going to give him minimum information so that he doesn't maximize his opportunities. So it was tough. It was a tough transition. But I'll close with this. When Eric Davis came from the San Francisco 49ers to the Carolina Panthers in my second year, Eric Davis took me up under his wings. 
And he started to teach me a little bit, revamping, you know, my game and teaching me a little bit more mentally. But it was actually my fifth year in the NFL when the game slowed down. But this was because I really didn't have anybody to tutor me. And I'm kind of like playing golf without an instructor. I'm slicing the ball, bad swings. And so finally it all came together. But I can go on and on. It's, it's so many things that I've learned. And that's why I feel like I am a great teacher to students, those who want to learn the game, because I went through the hard knocks. I went through having to sit there and study the game. So not only am I mentally understanding of the game, but physically, because I paid attention to my physical ability, I was able to keep myself in shape, didn't have a lot of injuries. So I'm still healthy now. So that's why I feel like I'm a great teacher to those who want to be students of the game themselves. And what you're talking about is how you adjusted and adapted into this new organization and the higher expectations that were placed on you and the more complex environment, I'll call it, with a significantly larger playbook. Throughout your NFL career, 13 years in the league, you've played for a number of teams. Every team has a different culture. They've obviously got different plays they run and different leadership styles. When you look at your experience there and the transitions that you had to make, what helped you to successfully transition into other organizations? And what would you pass on to others that are transitioning into whether it's a professional football organization or just navigating a new environment, a new job at life? I'm going to go back and I played, yes, but I started for all the teams. At some point, I started. So that's a big distinction, playing for several teams and starting. So I just had to throw that in that general. That's okay. <laughs> No, what, what helped me transition to those teams, those teams are looking for people that can help them, help them win, right? So they believed in me. That was number one. You know, you're not going to bring anybody in unless you believe that they can help you. Even in business, corporate America, they're not going to bring you in for an interview if they don't feel like you have what it takes to help them have a productive year corporately. Same thing in sports. They're not going to bring you in if you can't help them win a championship. So the belief was the, the number one thing. So that helped stir my confidence and keep my confidence going, even though I was going to another team. The other thing was the camaraderie. The camaraderie in the locker room, we're just one big fraternity, one big fraternity in the NFL. And when guys ask me or when people ask me, what is it that you miss the most about the NFL? Well, other than the paychecks <laughs> and the way they get paid today, Jennifer, I'm like, oh my goodness. The one thing that I miss the most is the camaraderie, the locker room talk. I don't, I don't miss the tackling, which they don't really tackle no more. You know, I don't miss all those hot days and everything like that. So the confidence of the team, what they had in me was one thing that helped me and also the camaraderie. So again, how that translate into corporate America, it's like going to a company where everybody thrives in a culture where it's love, peace, and joy. And where you can get in front of people who are supportive like that, an environment like that, it makes your ability to adapt to that new team or that new environment that much easier. So I would just say the team's confidence in me and also the camaraderie 
all 53 guys, we're there for a purpose. And so everybody being on the same page, those two things were factors that helped me to adapt to transitioning from one team to another. And so I just got one other question I want to talk to you about football with, and then we'll talk about what you're doing today and some of the cool experiences you've been a part of beyond the game. So we got to talk about your two Super Bowl victories with the Patriots. What were those experiences like for you? Oh, wow. It was uh, amazing. Who would have known my very first year signing with the Patriots that we would win the Super Bowl and then on top of that, do it back to back. Even though they had won the Super Bowl in 2001 and they went to the playoffs and lost in the wild card in 2002. So Belichick said, hey, we got to make some changes. So I come in, they bring in Rodney Harrison. We bolstered our secondary right away. Eugene Wilson was added. They traded Lawyer Malloy, which that was a big controversial thing in the 2003 season, but we were able to overcome it. And then, of course, you had Hall of Famer Ty Law on the other side. So we had a very great secondary. And arguably, some people say it's the best secondary that Bill actually had the opportunity to coach. And also we had Sante Samuel. Super Bowl 38, I remember we lost to the Washington Commanders now, but at the time they were the Washington Redskins. And we lost to them, which took our record to one and two. And I remember we having a team meeting, a player-only meeting. Some of the veterans got up, the guys who had been there previously, Willie McGinnis and all those guys, and Teddy Bruschi, Tom Brady, they all spoke. And from that moment, after we left that players-only meeting, some words went back and forth. But after we left that meeting, I'm like, we won 21 straight games, 21 straight games. And in those 21 straight games, we had two Super Bowls. And the first Super Bowl was exciting because this is my first ever world championship. You know, it's just like having your first child. It's like, wow, we made it to the Super Bowl. So that's what that first Super Bowl felt like to me. The second Super Bowl was tougher because it meant the most because teams really gave us their best. Because whenever you're going up against last year's or previous year's champion, every team that didn't have a good season, they are measuring themselves up against us. I've been in those shoes when I was with Carolina Panthers. We're an upstart team. So whenever we played a great team, I remember Dom Caper saying that today we have an opportunity to see how good we are. We're playing against the San Francisco 49ers. Last year's champions, da, 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 da. So when we won that second Super Bowl, that was the toughest because everybody gave us their best. And still yet, we were able to come out on top and win another Super Bowl. So great organization. I enjoyed my times in New England. I learned a lot and things that I still use today, even when I'm coaching. And you mentioned Bill Belichick a couple of times, as well as Tom Brady. So I'm going to ask you in your mind, what about those two gentlemen makes them so great? Well, I think it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like ham and a burger. You know, you can't have one without the other. A lot of people like to say, oh, it was Tom that did this and Bill couldn't have done it without Tom. I think Tom could not have done it without Bill. And the reason why I say that is you got someone who has the brains, someone who has seen every slice and footage of defense, offense that one can see. 
Bill played, you know, been in the NFL for a long time. So now you get this kid coming out of Michigan who is hungry, who was overlooked, and he wants to prove something. And he gets his opportunity when Drew Blesso gets hurt, when Mo Lewis kind of gave him one of those, you better get out of bounds next time, quicker blows. So every quarterback that saw that Mo Lewis hit on Drew Blesso, they're like, hey, I'm making sure I get out of bounds quicker. But they gave Tom an opportunity. So here you are, you got a coach who knows a whole lot about football and you got a young player who wants to, who's thriving, who's, who's hungry, who's passionate, who's wearing his feelings on his sleeves. Between those two, Bill pouring in his mental to Tom's physical and it allowed Tom's mental to expand as well. And Tom just became an extension of Bill Belichick on the field. And that's how I think those two married each other. And that's why they had so much success. Well, they definitely did have a lot of success. They were moving the ball and dominating the game, too. Moving the ball. Just like just like Joe Montana and uh, Bill Walsh. You know, those it's, it's a lot of great combinations. But regardless, they all moved the ball down the field. Yes, they did. All right, Tyrone. So let's talk about what you're doing off the field. You've got to do some cool things. Obviously, we've known each other for a long time, and I love seeing all that you're up to. First, I'm going to ask you about American Ninja Warrior, just because I can see it there in the background. Talk to us about how did that experience come to be, and what did you think of it? Oh, wow. You know, of course, they had the Super Bowl here that year in Atlanta. So... People knew about my working out, my work ethics. And so someone came up to me and they said, hey, Tyrone, you should try out for the American Ninja Warrior. You know that they're going to do a show in Atlanta. Plus, the Patriots made the Super Bowl. So your opportunity to be on the show just went up a thousand times. So I submitted a video. I found a place locally, worked out there for a couple of days and hung around some people who Basically, they were American Ninja Warrior participants. So they gave me a lot of advice, inside information. So when I actually went there to perform, I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. You know, I felt like a kid again because a lot of the American Ninja Warrior activities and skills that are used are kind of like being like a kid. You know, you're swinging and you're keeping your balance and everything like that. So uh, I was very athletic still and still athletic now. So, you know, it was a great, great opportunity. I met a lot of great people, people who basically this one particular person that I met. Let me talk about this person. Jennifer, this guy had a prosthetic leg, a prosthetic leg, and he was a participant. and. He made it through a couple of the course drills, but of course, because of his prosthetic leg, he you know didn't make it to the finals. But that taught me, seeing him do that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to complain about nothing. Old saying goes, if there's a wheel, there is a way, all right? But I enjoyed my time there, met a lot of great people. Yeah, I would do it again. It was fun. It was fun. It was exciting. Well, I've known a few people that have been on that show. And so if there's anyone that is listening or watching our podcast that is considering trying out for American Ninja Warrior, what advice would you tell them? Oh, wow. Well, I would say whenever you are doing any exercise where you have to swing from one apparatus to the next apparatus, the key to keeping your grip, because a lot of people, when they swing, 
that's when they lose their grip when they go from one object to the other. The key that I learned is when you swing, do not extend your legs, but keep your knees tucked when you swing because what it does, it minimizes your body weight. So when your legs are extended, you increase your body weight. So they taught me that when you swing, swing with a knee tuck and it'll actually limit your body weight. Oh, interesting. So next time I watch the show, I'm going to be watching people and seeing how much they're extending or if they're keeping those knees tucked. Yeah, just like football, right? They say when you're running, when you get ready to get tackled, put both arms around that ball. So you've got a brand, Work That Thing. I know you talk about the power of vision as well. Tell us more about what are you doing with Work That Thing? Well, Work That Thing basically is a supplement company. It is a motivational company, Work That Thing LLC. And actually it was created by me and my daughter. She is a part owner and it started with her, track and field. I would walk over to her. After she got old enough, I would let her warm herself up because previously I would do it. But I said, okay, she's getting older. I'm going to allow her to warm herself up. So I give her the card, the workout card, and I'll walk away. Then I'll come back after I see that she's kind of like done everything. So I would ask her, well, are you ready to run? And she would say, yes, I feel like I am. Then it started with, okay, let's go work it. And then it evolved to work that thing, work that thing. So what work that thing simply means is that whatever you do, whatever you want to do in this world, Whatever your thing is, if your thing is to be a CEO, an entrepreneur, to be a professional athlete, to be a better mom or a better dad, whatever your thing is, you have to work that thing. You have to work that thing. So if that thing means that you have to wake up early and go to bed late, you got to work that thing. So what is your thing? And there will be obstacles. There will be adversity. There will be things that will hinder you. But if you work that thing, whether you got to go under it, over it, through it, or around it, you will get to the other side. So work that thing is basically a mental message, and it's also taking care of your body because your body is your business. It doesn't really make sense to me to accumulate a lot of success financially, and you got to spend the rest of your life keeping your body out of the hospital. So your body is your business and work that thing supplements. That's what that part of work that thing is for. The supplements is to help your body maximize. And then work that thing is a movement. It is a movement, a motivation, whatever your thing is. It's not going to just fall in your lap. You literally have to work that thing to position yourself to obtain success. So WTT 100, work that thing. Your body is your business. I like it. I think it's catchy. As someone who does a lot of consulting with companies and people on brands, I think it's spot on in terms of the message. It's catchy. It invokes positive emotion too. And so I think it's great. And to your point about supplements and taking care of yourself, I mean, you've got to do that throughout your life. If you want to achieve and perform at a high level, it starts with what you put into not only the work that you do, but what you put in your body and how you train yourself and make sure that you're not just physically and mentally fit, but the the whole package, everything. And so I think it's great. Yes. Here's another little sidebar that people don't know as well. And those 
guys who listen to this podcast, I know you interview a lot of NFL current and former players, but those Carolina Panthers, those guys who were with the Carolina Panthers in 1995, they will remember. And you just jogged my memory with this. But the players on that 1995 Carolina Panther roster, when I came to training camp, I had a black and gold Jeep Cherokee Limited, the limited edition, the one that had the gold trim and it was black. And so what I did, Jennifer, I took, my agent did it for me. He gave a car to some alteration company. They put a swing gate on the back of it. And on the swing gate, it had total package, Tyrone Poole. Because back then, I'm like, you know, it's like I could do pretty much anything. I could punt return. I could block kicks. I could, whatever the case was, play defensive back. I ran track. So they came up with the name Total Package. And yeah, so any Carolina Panther player that was on that team in 1995, yeah, they remember that Jeep Cherokee with those big gold rims and Total Package on the back of it. So you just... You just made me think of that. So, yeah, that's something else, a side bit that nobody knows about. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that with us here. It's always good to hear those little tidbits that people don't know about. So, Tyron, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I've got some fun questions that I want to ask you as part of my two-minute drill. We'll be right back. You already know how to move the ball. Now it's time to dominate the game. In my latest book, Dominate the Game, I uncover the strategies of top performers that are proven to tackle procrastination, break through barriers, and more, giving you the confidence to go after everything you want. Life is about more than just showing up. It's about differentiating, elevating, and dominating. So here's the deal. Grab your copy of Dominate the Game today and get your playbook for success. Make this next year the year you dominate in every aspect of your life. Because remember, the game is yours to conquer. Okay, we are back. Are you ready for some more fun questions? Let's go. Let's move the ball. All right. I hope you think these are fun questions, by the way. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? I think, honestly, when I was 10 years old, I was just wanting to get out of poverty. But I can say that being a professional athlete, being a professional athlete, Dallas Cowboys are my favorite team. So I would say being a professional athlete, and Tony Dorsett was my favorite player. So at 10 years old, I probably wanted to be a professional athlete. Okay. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Ah, man, three words. I would say confident. I would say inspiring. And uh, hard-headed. I throw a little hard-headed in that. So confident, inspiring, and hard-headed. Okay. Why are you worth knowing? I am worth knowing because my life is an inspiration. I am worth knowing because it's truly not how you start, but how you finish. I like that. Very nice. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Hi, me, me, <laughs> me, myself, okay. and I. But uh, I don't know, maybe I'll say Tyrese Gibson. I like Tyrese. That's a good choice. And then what would you call that movie? What would it be titled? Maybe we'll say The Little Train That Could. Okay, I like that. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I may be hard, exoskeleton, but inwardly, my spirit is just as soft as white clouds. What is a pet peeve of yours? If I go more than three days of working out, I'm not myself. So one of my pet peeves is I have to work out. 
And if I don't work out, then I don't feel like myself. So working out, I got to have the right equipment. I have to work out. Okay. And then the bonus question is, which one is the right choice? Cereal first or does milk come first? Oh, the cereal first, because I put the cereal in so I can get as many cereal as possible. Uh, And then I put the milk in because if I pour the milk in before the cereal, then the milk is going to fill up where the cereal should be. So I pour the cereal first and let the cereal fill up everything and then pour in the milk. Spoken like a true pro. (laughs) Well, Tyrone, as we went to close the show, let people know where are you at on social media? How can people keep up with you on your journey? Well, Jennifer, thank you for the opportunity and I appreciate it and good to see you again. But people can find me on all social media at TyronePool38, TyronePool38. My website is TyronePool38.com and also the foundation uh, doing a lot of great things there, changing people's lives locally and globally, creating champions locally and globally, TyronePool38Foundation.org. So long story short, people. If you can remember my name, my first name, and remember my last name, plus 38, which is my football number, then you got me on all platforms. Perfect. And we're going to have links in our show notes to all your social platforms, as well as your website, the foundation's website, as well as your book. So people can check all of the stuff out that you've done and that you're continuing to do. Thank you again for being on the show, Tyrone. Thank you, Jennifer. It was an honor. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Tyrone shared such wonderful nuggets. And what I want you to do is pick one thing that you have taken away from today's episode and post about it on social media and then tag me and tag Tyrone so we can see how this show made an impact for you. And then also share the show with a few friends too. Thank you again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you found this episode to be helpful, do me a favor, leave me a review and also share the show with a few friends too. Next, if you're looking to take your career to that next level, unlocking the path to executive heights and high income opportunities, go to www.thenextfirstdown.com and join the newsletter. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you accelerate your career today, not tomorrow, not next week, today. As always, I'm here to be in your corner and help you to move the ball. Until next time.